born to die that he might give eternal life that I might live Welcome to Yankee Arnold Ministries. Dr. Arnold will be with you in just a moment, but first, we want you to know how much we appreciate your prayers and financial support. You may help this radio ministry by donating online at yankeearnold.com or by mail at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Again, that's 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Feel free to send Dr. Arnold your questions or comments to yankee at yankeearnold.com, and he will respond as quickly as possible. Now, here is Dr. Arnold with today's message. While you're getting those papers, you can go ahead and be turning your Bible to the book of 1 Corinthians in chapter 6. 1 Corinthians and chapter 6. I have found out over the years that the clearer I make the gospel, the more problems people have with believing it because of so many verses in the Bible that seems to contradict that salvation is by grace. And so these seemingly hard, contradictory verses in the Bible causes people to question that salvation can really be free. Or if you really are saved, well, you're not going to live a certain way. You're going to live a godly life from now on. And so how do you explain all of that? Well, the title of today's message is The Clear Gospel Explains Difficult Passages. In other words, once you see the light and the truth of the gospel, let it be the light that shines upon the rest of the scriptures. But if you don't have the gospel right, you're not going to discern these other seemingly contradictory, difficult passage of scriptures correctly. You'll put a wrong meaning to it, which is why there's so many different kinds of churches, different religions. Because some people just can't believe that it can be that easy, that simple. That a man can go to heaven simply by accepting what Christ did on the cross for him. Nothing else added. So we want to look at some of those complicated scriptures that many people think are so complicated. So we'll look at it. But first of all, I want to read to you the introduction that I have at the beginning. There are many verses in the Bible that seem to say or suggest that a man's work have a part in his getting salvation or maintaining salvation. If this is true, then salvation cannot be totally by grace alone. The clarity or the truth of the gospel is the lens by which we discern the rest of Scripture. We must always seek to understand difficult Scriptures by never compromising salvation by grace. Remember this, the Bible cannot and does not contradict itself. The problem is with man's understanding. And the moment you question salvation by grace, you have added a lot of questions to other verses in the Bible, and you'll not really discern those verses. Because there has to be a standard by which you measure everything else from. Now, when we built our life upon the Word of God, that is our standard. 
That's why we judge everything else in the world is by what God says. If that doesn't come up to meet the standard of what the Word of God wants me to do, then I have to reject that. And so we use the Word of God as our rule of faith, what we believe, and practice how we live. The next statement, 2 Timothy 2.15, right here in your notes, under the word text, study to show off. No, 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 they didn't say that. Study to show thyself approved unto God. Just studying and getting knowledge, knowledge puffeth up. It doesn't make you more brilliant. But knowledge is power, and power in the hands of God, you'd be surprised what you can do. But it says, study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. So that means you've got to rightly understand what the word of God has to say. So the reason we study is because once we trusted Christ as our Savior, the Holy Spirit indwells us. The Holy Spirit is the teacher of the word of God. Remember, men wrote as they were moved or guided along by the Holy Spirit. And there ought to be one understanding primary of the Word of God. And the teacher who told them what to write is the same teacher that lives inside of you and is to teach you what it says. So that's why you have to try to eliminate the human possibility of being wrong and go by Scripture must interpret Scripture. Word interprets the Word. And so because it cannot contradict and sometimes it just needs a little adjustment and it perfectly dovetails. So now look at the next statement. Compare all difficult passages with these two verses. If you want to have one of the best understandings of how to understand the scriptures, understand these two verses. If they contradict in any way, this means that your understanding is wrong. So Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 8 and 9, two of my favorite verses in the Bible, easily tells us exactly how a man is saved, and how a man is not saved. So if that is the truth, then anything else that seems to contradict this has to be wrong. A lot of times when I've shown people Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, first thing they want to know is, yeah, but what about James chapter 2? I said, now, if we go to James chapter 2, will this verse still be here? He said, yeah, then we don't need to go to James chapter 2, do we? So before we go over there, let's just look back at this. Whatever James chapter 2 says, can it contradict this verse? No. Well, then we don't need to go there, do we? So let's just stay right here. Now look what it says. I want to know that you believe these two verses before we go to two other verses. And so I hold them to what the verse does say. And it says, for by what? Grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. That's pretty clear. He said, well, that's all it depends on how you interpret it. I said, well, here's how I interpret it. When he says, for by grace are you saved? Now, the way I interpret that is, for by grace are you saved. When it says, through faith, the way I interpret that is, through faith. And that not of yourselves, the way I interpret that, it's not of yourself. When it says it is the gift of God, the way I interpret that, it's the gift of God. When it says it's not of work, you know how I interpret that? It's not of works. How, how do you interpret that? You see, you can box them right into a corner. They're the one that wants to change what the Word of God says. 
and I refuse to let them lead me. I'll be witness to somebody, and I'll quote to them John 3, 16. Yeah, but did, uh, did Adam and Eve have a navel? What's that got to do with going to heaven when you die? See, it's just rabbit trails. Wanting to get you to chase a rabbit. Now, you know a rabbit doesn't run just a straight line and stay going. He can't run. So we say rabbit trails means you follow this way, and then they cut this way. You answer that verse, then you give, but what about, and what about, you don't get on the rabbit trail with them. If you want to lead a man to Christ, you've got to get him to follow you, not you follow them. But anyway, look at the, one of the verses here, number one. Verses that seems to say that if you do these certain sins, you cannot go to heaven. So here in the book of 1 Corinthians in chapter 6, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, look in verse 8. Nay, ye do wrong, and defraud, and that your brethren. Understand this. This is written to believers at the church in Corinth. So we're talking to Christians. Christians that are carnal means fleshly minded. Christians that are not living for the Lord. Christians that are babes in Christ. Christians that are rebellious to their heavenly father. But they're still saved. So he's talking to rebellious Christians. And these rebellious Christians who were not listening to what God's word has to say. They were bickering back and forth and gossiping and defrauding each other. And so they were taking each other to law. Taking each other to court. So he asked them, he says, now, why do you go to court against your brother and let an unrighteous man, an unrighteous judge, decide something that belongs to the spiritual realm? So he says there in verse 9, Know ye not that the unrighteous, that's the lost man, shall not inherit the kingdom of God? And everybody says, well, see, if you do these certain things, you can't go to heaven when you die. And look what he says. Be not deceived, neither fornicators, idolaters, nor adulterers, effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous. Covetous? You mean if you desire something that's not yours? Ooh, we're right in there with all the rest of them. Nor drunkards, revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. So there you go. you got a verse that tells you that if you do these things, you cannot inherit the kingdom of God. So automatically say, you can't do any of these things. So you got to really watch your P's and Q's and the rest of the alphabet. And you got to walk that straight and narrow way. Because if you do any of those things, you can't inherit the kingdom of God. Now, that's a verse that's in the Bible. But with this verse, it tells you that you can't do those things. Would that contradict Ephesians 2, 8, and 9? That says you're saved by grace. You don't merit it. Not of yourselves. Not of works. But you've got to not do any of those sins. Is there a conflict? So there will be a conflict between understanding those two verses. If you think that this is talking about how to be saved. So here you are and you're doing all these sins. So if you want to get saved, you can't do those things. That's works for salvation. That means it can't be by grace because you have to stop doing all those wicked, bad things. But he says this, the last part of verse 10, shall inherit the kingdom of God. Now, we already know that the unrighteous, the lost man, cannot inherit the kingdom of God. And so why should you as the believers want to have lost people set in judgment of disagreements between God's people? It's not a wise thing to do. So he makes a statement there 
and you'll see that. Look down in chapter 6 and verse 1. Excuse me, verse 2. Do ye not know that the saints shall do what? Judge the world. Look in verse 3. Know ye not that we shall judge angels. So if we're going to do all of this, then why in verse 6? He says, but brother goeth to law with brother and that before thee what? See, I didn't make this up. It says most people never read the context. They don't read before it. And so he says, isn't it better in verse 7? Now, therefore, there is utterly a fault among you Christians that are making wrong decisions, doing the wrong things. They're carnally minded. Why do ye not rather take wrong? Why do you not rather suffer yourselves to be defrauded? Nay, you do wrong. I've had people say, well, if you're a Christian, you're not going to want to go out here and do those bad things. Well, they were doing it, and they were believers. You say, how do you know that? I'm glad you asked. See down here in verse 11. Look in verse 11. And such were some of you, but ye are what? These people that were doing the wrong, these people that were being defrauded, these people that were not doing the right thing, and they were carnally minded Christians, because you go back to 1 Corinthians in chapter 3, and you'll read all of that. And he was a man that was having sex with his mother, or mother-in-law, or stepmother. And was that wrong? Yes, that's all wrong. But they were doing it. You say, Christians can't do that. Yes, they can. Is it right or wrong? It's still wrong. So he says here in verse 7, How are they looked upon though? But ye are washed, but ye are what? Sanctified, but made pure and holy, as though you've never done a thing in your life. But ye are, that's their present position, their present condition. At the time, this was written and said to them, Christians that were not doing right. He said, but are justified in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. Now, you can do this, like he says in verse 12, all things are lawful unto me. In other words, you may have the right to take that brother to court, but it may not be expedient. It may not be wise to do so. There's a lot of things you might feel like you can do. My business, my life. Okay, but it may not be wise to do it. And that makes the difference. So you see, these verses is not talking to the Christian about, well, if you do this, you can't go to heaven. It's just the opposite. You see, we should not do those things for the simple reason that now that you have trusted Christ as Savior, you're a child of God, you should serve the Lord. You should do right. You should love one another. And you shouldn't do wrong things to defraud another child of God or anybody as far as that goes. But can God's children mess up in their life? Yes, but you don't try to manipulate the Bible and apply that. Well, if you do this and this and this, well, that's a sign you're not a Christian. No, they did, and they were Christians, and they were wrong, and the Bible says so. I hope you see that. Now take your Bible and turn to the book of Galatians in chapter 5. Galatians in chapter 5. Remember, if you're clear on the gospel, you don't have to be afraid of somebody showing you a verse that contradicts it. You can't contradict it unless you're adding works to the gospel. So there's a lot of verses, and you always use the clear verses to explain the verses that seems to be cloudy. A little maybe can't quite understand it. But never leave Ephesians 2, 8, 9. Let it be the flashlight that you use to shine upon the other scripture because it cannot contradict itself. 
in Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 is so clear. Grace means you don't earn it. You don't deserve it. If anybody tells you that you have to deserve to go to heaven, they don't get it. Because you can't deserve it. And he says it's not by your works. That means it has nothing to do with how you live. How you live does not determine your destination. We're always under that idea, you know, if you want to go to heaven, you better be good. A lot of parents have used that to their kids to try to get them to behave. You do that, you got to go to hell and try to scare them to death because you want them to do right. But you don't lie to the kids. It's not the best thing to do. So in the book of Galatians, look there in chapter 5. Galatians in chapter 5, look in verse 19. Verse 19. Now get this. Now the works of the flesh are manifest. Which are these? Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envy, murder, drunken, reveling, and such like. Of the which I tell you before, as I have told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. See, there's a verse. You do any of those things, you cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Well, that's a true verse. That's a true statement. And the Bible's already said, the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. The lost man cannot inherit the kingdom of God. You see, all these things that we're talking about here, these are the works of the what? The flesh. The flesh is of your first birth. Everybody born into the world has a flesh birth. And the Bible says, flesh and blood, these are not the children of God. So flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. You don't inherit. Why? Because you're not God's child. You see, God's children inherit what their father has. And he says, you are not his children. You cannot inherit it. So flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. And we do all these bad things because we have a sinful nature. So when you trusted Christ as your Savior... God didn't change this one. He gave you a new birth and made you his child with a new birth, spiritual birth. Now, as a child of God, you inherit the kingdom of God. You're God's child. He's your father. So when you leave this world, you're going to inherit what your father has. Your heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. The old man never was. He cannot inherit it. And that's why when he says the works of the flesh, well, the works of the flesh come from which one? This one over here. So why should you as a child of God walk in the flesh? Because that doesn't please God. They that are in the flesh cannot please God. So you want to please God? Walk in the Spirit. And so every child of God has two births, two natures. One when you were born into the world. And God didn't change that one because you're still here and you still look the same. God never changed the flesh. All he did was gave you a new birth. This is a spiritual birth and you can't see a spirit. And it lives inside of this old flesh birth that we have, old body that we have. So these are important things to always keep in mind. Now, I want you to take your Bible and look there in the book of Romans in chapter 9. Romans in chapter 9. Now, in the book of Romans in chapter 9, look in verse 8. That is, they which are the children of the flesh... These are not the what? Children of God. And take your Bible now and turn to the book of 1 Corinthians in chapter 15. 1 Corinthians in chapter 15. And look at verse 50. 
then you'll see this is why when Jesus was talking to Nicodemus, he made the statement, you must be born again. You cannot see the kingdom of God. You cannot enter into the kingdom of God unless you're what? Born again. That's the new birth. And verse 50 says, Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot what? Inherit the kingdom of God. That's exactly what it says in 1 Corinthians in chapter 6. And it's the same thing he said in the book of Galatians in chapter 5. The flesh cannot inherit the kingdom of God. No change. But you have two births. Now you have a new birth. And the new birth is born of God. And you inherit the kingdom of God because of who you are. You are that in Christ. Now, the next one I want you to look at is number two. Verses that seem to say that you can fall away and lose your salvation. So Hebrews in chapter 6. Many people love to go to Hebrews in chapter 6. So we're going to go to Hebrews and chapter 6. Because there's a couple of verses that if you take them out of context, it will seem to say, seems to say that you can lose your salvation. So in chapter 6, look what he says here in verse 6. If they shall fall away to renew them again unto repentance, seeing they crucified to themselves the Son of God oppression, and put them to an open shame. You see, it says you can fall away. So that means you lost your salvation. But there's several things to look at. Are we talking to people who, like many people say, and even sometimes in Schofield knows that, these are people who came up to the, the door of the promised land and didn't get to go in. They were almost, so this is talking about those who almost believe, but they didn't really trust the Lord. No, that's not what he's talking about. He's talking to those who already have trusted Christ as their Savior. They already know the Lord. They know they're going to heaven when they die. But this is written to those who are babes in Christ. You see, when you trust Christ as your Savior, God said you're a babe in God. You're his child. So as his child, God wants you to grow and to mature as a Christian. So he makes a statement here. And I want you to see it. Look in verse 11 of chapter 5. Of whom we have many things to say, hard to be uttered, seeing you are dull of hearing. In other words, you don't want to listen to what God's Word says. You don't want to obey the Word of God. And the only way you can grow strong as a child of God is by listening to what God's Word has to say. Because it tells us there in chapter 4 and in verse 12, the Word of God is powerful, it's quick, it's alive, it's sharper, and that's what the Word of God can do for you. But if you don't apply it, it doesn't make an effect upon your life. So he says here in verse 12, for when for the time you ought to be what? In other words, you've been saved long enough that you should be able to teach the Word of God by now. And they couldn't teach it. And the reason? Because they didn't grow. So he says, you have need that one teach you again would be the first principles of the oracles of God and are become such as have need of what? Milk. Milk for babies. The meat for the mature people. So when you come to church and say, I want some meat to eat. Well, if you can eat meat, go ahead. You don't have to be baby fed. You can do it all by yourself. You can study the word of God. But notice what he says. But everyone that uses milk is, what's those two words? That word, it's unskillful, unskillful. See, there's a difference between having a knowledge of the Bible and a working knowledge of the Bible. 
You can say, I know this verse, that verse, but you don't know how to use it. You don't know how to put it together. It's like having a saw, but you don't know what it's for. Having a hammer, I don't know what this is for. You're having tools, but not knowing how to put anything together or build anything. So he says, the word of righteousness, for he is a what? He's lost. See, it didn't say he's lost. He's a babe. He's a child of God, but he's a babe in Christ. And so in verse 14, but strong meat belonging to them who are of full age. In other words, you've taken the time, time, and you've learned the word of God, and you've grown and matured, and now you're able to discern right from wrong. See, a mature person in the Lord, in the word, can discern right from wrong. If you can't discern it yet, because you're still maybe not as mature as you think you are, or should be. Louisa, even those who by reason of what? See, if you don't use it, you lose it. By reason of use, you grow by being involved. You grow by, well, applying the word of God to your life. Not just, well, I know that and never do anything. You don't know the Bible until the Bible controls your life. So he says, have their senses exercised up here mentally to discern. Discern what? Right from wrong. That's why he says, you're a babe. You should have grown. You should be able to teach, but you can't. You have need of milk, not of strong meat. It's because you can't discern right from wrong. So now in chapter 6, we're still talking to believers. And the reason you don't have to get saved again is because you still are. And look at the next verse. Therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us, us, believers, go on from being a babe to maturity. We're going to progress to something. And so he says, let us go on to perfection or maturity, not not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and a faith toward God because you're not lost, you're still saved. You don't have to get saved again. See, repentance is rejecting salvation by dead works. So you don't put your trust in your works. You put them in what Christ did on the cross for you. So you don't have to do that again, but you can start over from where you are and grow if God permits. You see there in verse 3, if God permits. You see, you grow because you are obeying the Lord and applying the truth that you're learning. When you reject truth, the truth you reject is what helps you to understand the next truth. But when you reject truth, you can't get to the next truth. And so you cannot grow and mature. You don't get to pick and choose. Whenever you hear and study the Word of God, you to accept the Word of God and to believe the Word of God. And by faith, you can grow because you believe it. But when you don't believe it, what God says is the truth, then you're not going to mature. God will not permit it. And you'll be a babe all your life. And you can go to church for 20, 30 years and have heard it a thousand times and not be any stronger than you were 20 years ago. And you'll hear somebody else will come along, they'll trust Christ as Savior and just fall in love with the Word and begin to study and apply themselves and you know, and they're bypassing you. And you're still down here. Now, that's your choice. God wants all of His children to learn and to listen to grow in the Lord. And so He says here in verse 4, For it is impossible for those who were enlightened, tasted the heavenly gift, made partakers of the holy. This is those who have already been saved. It's impossible for those who are saved that if they could fall away, 
never to get saved again. You can't get saved again. Why? Because that would crucify Christ over again, as he says, afresh. Because that means Christ would have to come back and pay for your sins that you committed after you already got saved. And then you got some more sins. So now you're lost. Now you got to get saved again. There's not one story in the Bible where a man was saved and got lost. There isn't one. Find it. You won't find it. It's not in there. Do you have to be baptized in water to be saved and go to heaven? Would that make the person who baptized you your Savior? There are at least five baptisms in the Bible. Which one gets you to heaven? Pastor Yankee Arnold has prepared just the right book with answers straight from the Bible. The book is called Gospel Driven Man, and Pastor Yankee wants to send it to you free of charge. Simply write to Pastor Yankee at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634, and request the book, or request by email at yankee at yankeearnold.com. That's yankee at yankeearnold.com. Thanks for listening to today's broadcast. We pray that today's message was a blessing to you and your family. You may help support this radio ministry by donating online at yankeearnold.com or by mail at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Friend, one day it will happen. The trumpet will sound, and we will be changed, caught up to meet the Lord in the air. So live today and every day, believing that the Lord is coming soon, and just keep looking up. Amazing grace.